Hi, welcome to the latest edition of Richard Bain Talk. Uh, you may have noticed, especially if you're a subscriber, that we had no edition last week. I was out in California visiting old friends. And when I say old friends, I mean that in both senses of the word. Um, I went to uh, one college on the East Coast and one college in California, and I had groups of friends from different places. And of course, we're now what? like 50 years older than we were when we were young hippies. And, uh, but I was in most Los Angeles uh, most of the time, and, uh, which is where they now live. And uh, I've lived a lot, lot of cities in, in my lifetime. In fact, one of them was Los Angeles. And individual cities seem to have their own character. New York, it's muscular, it's invigorating, it's demanding. It, you have to stay alert all the time. There's an energy in New York. It's like having a, a good friend who's an athlete and you're out on a hike and he's going, come on, come on, keep up, keep up. That's what New York is like. I lived in Philadelphia for four years. I loved Philly. But Philly is kind of a provincial place. I used to call it Mayberry on the Schuylkill because everybody was friendly and knew each other. Hi, Ampy. Hi, Opie. <laughs> Hi, Andy Griffith. It was Philadelphia at the time, at least I had read, was the place in America where most people walked to work in the morning in Center City. And then I lived in San Francisco, too, for a while. And San Francisco was provincial, but in a different way, in a sophisticated European kind of way. And you could get into a cab, and the cab driver would have a PhD from MIT. And it was a beautiful city. It was also a place, at least when I lived there, it was the era of Amistad Maupin, who wrote those novels that became a TV series, where it was tolerant, accepting of all different kinds of people. And whether you were gay or straight wasn't a division. You were all people in San Francisco. And we partied together, played together, talked together. It was I had a wonderful time living in San Francisco in the early 70s. Los Angeles has no character. I can't, <laughs> you can't describe it as a place. It's spread out all over the place. It's a bunch of freeways and people in cars. I mean, you know, there are, are beautiful areas. You know, Malibu is beautiful. In fact, I went to the most beautiful museum I've ever visited, and I've visited a lot. Here's a picture of it. This is the Getty Museum. It's high on top of, I don't would you call this a mountain or would you call it a hill? But the museum itself was a piece of art, and it was breathtaking. And they had gardens all over the place that that put the Brooklyn Botanical Gardens to shame. Now, the collection was less impressive. After you've seen the Metropolitan Museum of Art and that uh, avalanche, that cornucopia of art from around the world, they probably have, a, you know, 200 Impressionist paintings. Here, they had one Van Gogh. They have three or four uh, Monets or Manets and but the experience of being at this place, you have to take a funicular up a mountainside to get to that museum. So that, that was really a trip. Also in L.A., gas was $7 a gallon. 
Where I'm living now in Florida, people are bitching and moaning because gas is like 435, 450. In fact, the price of gas in Florida has come down in the last week. But California, when you're driving around and you're going, oh my God, it's $7 a gallon. It, it, was, it was quite a slap in the face. California is also known or even caricatured as a place of liberal progressive values. Uh, Gavin Newsom is the governor of the state. It is a, what some people would say, a woke state. And I should, um, I should remind you that I'm also joined here by Albert Reynoso, who is my producer, and he was my producer on Sirius XM. Albert, are you woke? I, I'm, I think I'm so unwoke, I don't even know what woke means. <laughs> there should be something for the opposite of woke, like noke or blind or something. Better, better asleep, I think. Asleep, maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe asleep. I think I would call myself groggy. If it didn't denote somebody who wasn't uh, fully in charge of their uh, faculties of uh, rationality, uh, because there is there are some things that, that I agree with. It's, I look at each thing and I look at the facts. For instance, uh, in terms of being woke, uh, I'm never going to call somebody they or them if it's one person. But if somebody, you know, identifies as a woman or a woman who is born a woman identifies as a man, I will, I'm happy to use the, uh, you know, the gender pronouns that make them uh, happy and satisfied and accepted. I don't believe in cash reparations for African-Americans, which is something that they're looking at right now and proposing actually in the state of California. I do believe that there are affirmative actions and programs that have to take place uh, to address the centuries of not only slavery, but Jim Crow that help uh, keep African-Americans um, less wealthy, less well-educated, less part of our society. And that was another hundred years. And John Roberts is wrong. Even discrimination is not over. Um, there is still a place uh, for redressing the disparities between the races in this country. Uh, another place, every woman's complaint about sexual harassment should be taken seriously, but every woman should not be believed because some of them are exaggerating or lying. Um, well, I, I should tell you more about California in a minute, but Al Franken, I think that was a complete setup. Uh, I've gone through each one of those, and that's what happens. It starts off with somebody igniting the fire, and then a few other people throw some branches into the fire. And by the time you're at the end of it, you're having a completely ridiculous accusation. Al Franken went to a feminist choir. Uh, and it was a fundraiser. They were raising, he was with his wife. And one of the women who sang in the choir who was there said, I have very large breasts. And he looked at my breasts. And if I remember correctly, that became the 19th complaint. So 
after that, they don't tell you the nature of the complaints. Oh, he took a picture and his hand was uh, too low on my back. I mean, they just say 19 complaints of sexual harassment against uh, Al Franken. And of course, he was forced to resign. When, just the other day, Frank Langella, 83 years old, one of America's finest actors, was fired from a uh, Netflix movie. They said he made an inappropriate joke and he had put his hand on a woman's um, leg and said, do you like this? And then he was fired. I mean, couldn't he's 83 years old. I mean, look at what uh, George Bush, uh, the father, when he was very old, made an inappropriate comment. Sometimes people, when they're very old, they feel like they're privileged, you know, to, uh, you know, you know, to say certain things. Uh, their sexuality may be greatly diminished, but their their ability to restrain themselves isn't. And I think I, you could have spoken to Franklin Jella. Listen, don't do that again. But they fired him. Even um, Garson Keeler. Come on, he he put his hand on a woman's back. I mean. Uh, and of course, there are many serious, uh, the Harvey Weinstein's and all sorts of people in between. But even Louis C.K., he asked women if he could masturbate in front of them. And they gave him permission. And he did. Now, that sounds like consensual sex to me. Now people say, oh, he was a, a, you know, a famous comedian and they were people who were assistants or starting out. You're not an infant. Do you know how many times, my agent, when I first signed with my agent, when I was an actor, he said, let's go out to dinner and see a show. And he propositioned me at dinner. He was a man. And he said, uh, I really think you're cute like a puppy dog. And he started in on this. And I said, his name, and I said, uh, well, his name was Michael. I said, Michael, there isn't a chance in hell anything's going to happen. I'm not attracted to men. And he took the two theater tickets and said, all right, I'm going to go home here. Enjoy the show. He took his shot. I had other casting directors. One guy chased me around the room uh, with a script, patting me on the rear end, telling me I'd get the pilot if I'd be his boy. I said, no. You can say no. There are other instances where... You know, perhaps you can't say no. There are instances with Matt Lauer, it seemed, where he locked the door and Harvey Weinstein and and others. But in the Louis C.K., what do you think, uh, Albert? About oh, yeah, the that, 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 that's that should not have been blown up the way it was. And frankly, I don't I don't frankly, I don't think Franken should have left either. I, I don't either. Accusations fly all over the place now. And I think what should what should happen is people should be given their day in court. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they should be taken seriously. Yes. But when they're yes. not serious, or when there are you know extenuating circumstances, then you should evaluate. My friend who was in L.A. is a big mogul. He's worth you know, I don't know maybe a hundred million dollars. Um, and I had dinner with him, uh, and he told me in his office there was an executive who went in the elevator and there was an assistant there and he just tapped her on the arm like this and said, hey, what are you doing this weekend? 
the woman filed a suit against the company. And he said, rather than fight it in court, which would cost a lot of money, the insurance company paid her $250,000. Wow. Right? I mean, there was another instance. He told me a few things. One of them was that he, he had been told that a white man could not comment on what happened between um, Chris Rock and Will Smith. Come on. Ridiculous. And he was doing an animated feature that had an Asian in it, an Asian character, or maybe there were lots of Asian characters. And he sent out, he, he you know, he wanted to preempt things. And he sent out a casting notice that said, I'm looking for Asian actresses to voice over this part. And HR came to him and said, you cannot say Asian actresses. He said, but I'm only going to hire an Asian actress. I don't understand what the problem was because I, I, you know, I'm looking for acting jobs all the time and I keep seeing, you know, Hispanic, uh, uh, African-American or black, or even, you know, I'm looking for a transgender actor to play this part. But in this case, his HR said, you cannot do that. But of course that is California. So that's another instance where I don't believe I'm entirely woke. Let me see here. I think nuclear power is a bridge energy source that we should be using. And now in Europe, as the European countries are cutting off uh, Russian oil and gas, or considering it at least, several Eastern European countries, Czechoslovakia is one I remember, are trying to reactivate the nuclear power plants they shut down. Germany, <laughs> Germany should be doing the same thing because they just shut down theirs. Nuclear power is a viable source of, of energy. And with the technology we have these days, I believe it is a safe source. And there are ways now to dispose of um, the nuclear waste afterwards. Uh, in fact, France, if I remember correctly, they sent it, I think, to the Netherlands where 96% of it is turned into usable um, uh, energy to bring back to the power plant. Um, and uh, here's another one that gets me, the male gaze. The New York Times. What? The male gaze? Never heard of that. The male gaze is a feminist uh, complaint that men look at women and appreciate their bodies, perhaps in a sexual way. And let me tell you, since the caveman made that little, you know, clay thing of a woman with big hip, what is it called? The, the Aphrodite of something. This has been going on for thousands and thousands of years. A man will look at an attractive woman's curves. And vice versa. Well, yeah, but you're not going to stop it. I mean, the Times has had a series of articles of... Uh, written, I should say, in some instances by lesbians, <laughs> saying that being a beautiful woman with a great figure was a detriment because men were looking at them as objects. Well, of course, women are human beings and you have to, um, every man should recognize the humanity of a woman. But when a man looks at a picture or when a man looks at a bunch of, uh, of of women on their bellies with um, dental floss 
<laughs> running up the crack, they're going to look. Now, I, I'm not I'm not giving uh, permission to look like the wolf in the old cartoons who went, <laughs> no, but men are going to look. That is the way we are made. So those are some of the ways in which I am not woke. So let me move on now to Florida uh, and other states where Governor DeSantis has declared war on the woke. And um, he's done that in, in several ways. But before I get to that, let me just backstep a little bit to talk about this whole pedophilia thing. There is a guy who used to interact with me on Facebook, and he's a Trump supporter, but he's a good guy. He wants to hear the other side. He is civil. He doesn't call names. And he sent me a message after the last podcast we did, and he said, oh, the Republicans have cornered Democrats. Now they have to support pedophiles. Um, and I said, well, no, they don't. First of all, a gender identity, uh, which is the bill that uh, DeSantis has passed, uh, or uh, sexual orientation, th those are not sexual acts. They are identifiers that people have, uh, indicating um, what they think about themselves and who they are attracted to. But this whole thing started with Comet Pizza. Remember Comet Pizza? Uh, it went around, it was a QAnon thing, that the Democrats had a pedophilic sex trafficking center in the basement of Comet Pizza. You may remember there was one guy that drove there with a gun and went inside and tried to liberate these poor children. Then after Hillary Clinton and um, the DNC emails were released, there was flying around the web that there, was, there were secret messages within the emails about pedophilia and what they were doing to young children in their sex camps. So that went around. Then when Joe Biden ran for president, there was there were pictures of Joe Biden with children. Like a like a grandfather, he would come close, hug them, pat them on the head. And this was I'll get to Trump in a minute. And and indications that he was that Joe Biden was a pedophile. Of course he was a pedophile and they also said he was he had molested a woman in the hallway. Uh, it's hard to imagine Joe Biden doing that. All right, then we went from that to Katanji Brown Jackson, where so many of the Republican questions had to do with her sentencing of people who had child pornography and, and um, you know, were, were pedophiles um, utilizing this. Over and over and over again, as if that was the major case facing the Supreme Court where she will reside for the rest of her life. Um, and then Marjorie Taylor Greene came out and said any senator who voted for her was pro-pedophilia, including Mitt Romney. Now, 
If Mr. Clean had hair, he'd be Mitt Romney. <laughs> to imagine Mitt Romney, Mr. Straight Arrow. So this whole thing about pedophilia has now gone on into the schools where several states are considering, and Florida has initiated something called um, called the Parental Rights Bill. And I'm going to read it exactly. Classroom instruction by school personnel or third parties on sexual orientation or gender identity may not occur in kindergarten through grade three or in a manner that is not age appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students in accordance with state standards. So let me begin by saying this. There are no state standards in Florida. Uh, we, we do have... Um, uh, laws against uh, um, yeah, or the law regulations that regulate sex education. This is not sex education. But there are no state standards as to when a child or of a certain age may be taught that some people have two mommies and two daddies, or even that some people may change their sex. Of course, if they're flipping around the TV dial, they may see Caitlyn Jenner. We're living in the age of the internet, folks where these kids are watching Pornhub and um, and cable news channels. I mean, and to not know that, that there are some people who are married who are gay, we have a secretary of transportation who is married and a child, Anderson Cooper, one of the leading news anchors, the same. All right, but this forbids uh, instruction. What is instruction? I mean, this law is so vague that I don't think it'll stand up in court if they get a reasonable judge, because the Supreme Court has said that if a law is so vague that it can cause discriminatory, discriminatory uh, action, uh, then it's unconstitutional. And this one certainly does. What if, you know, what if on parent teacher day, the kids are there and they see two daddies? Or what if a kid draws a picture of his two daddies or two mommies when the teacher says, draw a picture of your class, of your family? Will that picture be put on the wall with other kids or is that instruction? Um, when the teacher says, girls line up over here and boys line up over here. Well, that's gender identity, and that's instruction in gender identity. When you say Mr. or Mrs., those are gender identifiers. Really, what they should have written is a don't say gay bill. Don't say gay. I mean, you know, DeSantis and, and conservatives are saying, it doesn't say don't say gay. Well, the effect of this will be chilling to teachers and they will be afraid to say gay because of this provision. As in Texas, where um, the new abortion law deputizes individual citizens to go out and, uh, and seek damages and sue people who provide help in getting an abortion, this law also allows parents... Um, to uh, um, seek damages 
and reasonable attorney fees and court costs to parents who feel that their poor widow child has been exposed to gender identity. So, you know, the school is not going to want to face a legal challenge that could be very costly to a school district. And more so, this just happened two days ago. And let me get these figures right. 54 out of 132 math books in Florida were reviewed and found to be impermissible with either Florida's new standards or they contained prohibited topics. Now, the prohibited topics mentioned were critical race theory, I don't know, gender identity. How, how does that get into a math book? I mean, Albert, do you have an idea? Do you think they're asking if in the math book? If black Americans earn, uh, you know, 80, uh, you know, only 80% of what white Americans earn, uh, how much is that if they earn 50,000? Is that what it says? I doubt it. It could. It could say something like that. It could. But the problem is we do not know. Right. Because they will not release specifically what was wrong with these math textbooks. In fact, we do not know which math textbooks had been rejected. We do not know examples from the offending passage, passages in the book. We are kept in the dark in a state where our educational ranking in the United States is at 27. 27 out of 50, where Massachusetts is number one, Connecticut, New Jersey are ranked uh, nine, uh, one, two, and three. Now, you, you may have missed this, but Saturday, you know, April 16th, we just passed, that was National Librarian Day. And some people are celebrating in Texas by attacking librarians and pulling books out of the public library. There are organizations now in Texas that are going in, finding books that they find object. Listen, if a book is in the library and you think it's objectionable, don't take it out. I mean, hell, when I was in sixth grade, I read uh, 1984. It had the word intercourse in it. So little smartass that I was when it came to uh, the time in the classroom where we talked about new words we had found in individualized reading. My word was intercourse. Uh-oh, nothing happened, but <laughs> come on. Uh, what they're doing now is trying to take over school boards. And there is even a report that people who have been admitted to these school boards they pray to Jesus in the meetings as to whether a book can stay. And until the Lord answers, they can't make a decision. Well, that was in the news article about it anyway. That's who knows. But, you know, these people have no problem at all with um, letting religion come into the school or prayer. In fact, there was a black judge in Florida, was one of the, the first black judges, 
who was going to have a courthouse named after him. And everybody agreed, oh, this is wonderful. He was a trailblazer. We will name the courthouse in Tallahassee after him. And it was voted on in the uh, Republican, in the House of Representatives. And then they found one, was it Mo Brooks, I believe it was, found that in one of his cases, he had decided that a student couldn't lead the school in a Christian prayer before a football game. That the Supreme Court, which it had, had decided that was unconstitutional. I mean, it, it, it's, it, it's kind of a gray area still. But um, he had decided that. So the Republicans blocked. They were going to vote for him. They blocked. Whoa! Waving my hands too much. They blocked this recognition for him of the courthouse. Uh because they'd like to have people lead school prayer in your public school. Just not talk about gender identity. Now, you may think this is a fairly new topic, but the very first time I was on live television for a considerable amount of time, the topic was library censorship and book burning. That was 19, June of 1983. And it was a show in Philadelphia called People Are Talking, where the program director had me come down and test by putting me live in front of the camera with this very articulate and slick representative from the moral majority, Jerry Falwell's moral majority, and I was nervous as heck. Now, you may notice this when you're watching it. I, I, I don't have the whole show there. It's only six minutes. But I started every question by saying, now, let me just ask you this. Now, let me, I had no idea what I was doing. And we did have somebody from uh, the People for the American Way there uh, to debate this representative of the moral majority. So this isn't a... This is an issue that's been going on for at least 30 years. The control of the libraries, the control of the classroom, the banning of books, even book burning. You know, in Tennessee, um, a month or two ago, they had a, a book burning there. And of course, uh, you know, they had them during this period of time. So watch this clip. It's 30 years ago. Oh, I'm so young. I'm so green. I... I didn't know how to interview. I didn't know how to look at that tally light on the camera and see it as a friend rather than something that made my heart beat faster. But you may get a kick out of watching this. Here it is. With special guest host Richard Bay. On today's show, Book Burning with Al Thomas. And now, here's Richard. Hi, beautiful morning today. Great morning for a parade, huh? Well, I hope that you're sitting down right now because I have some startling information for you. Would you believe that right now, in the USA, 
These books, and others like them, are currently being banned. A novel by Ernest Hemingway. The Diary of Anne Frank. This is a very dangerous book. Peter Pan. And perhaps most surprisingly of all, The Living Bible. That's right, these books are being banned right today in the United States of America. Now, today's show is about book burning, book banning, in case you haven't guessed. The books that you and your children read and the books that you can't read. Our first guest is Cal Thomas. He's a veteran of journalistic experience for 21 years. He was formerly with NBC, and he's written a book called Book Burning. It's Cal Thomas. Thanks for being with us today. Let me ask you this. I've read quotes from the Reverend Falwell hmm. that say all textbooks should be thrown out of the high schools. The high schools no. should be returned he to didn't, the, he under didn't the power that. of... That's, that's not a true quote. No, that's not an accurate quote. He, he did say at one point that uh, many of our textbooks resemble uh, Soviet propaganda more than they do American history. I think that probably uh, went a little too far. He said that a number of years ago before he founded uh, the Moral Majority. But I would say that uh, he did touch a responsive chord. There are groups today, the National Organization for Women, uh, homosexual groups, uh, many other activist groups, politically active groups, who are writing textbook guidelines, so-called, for the major publishers, Random House, McGraw-Hill, Scott Forsman, and others. When they do this, when they try to shape uh, the world according to their political and philosophical worldview, the press treats that as academic freedom, as pluralism, and this sort of thing. But when conservatives say, wait a minute, we have a worldview that we would like to be represented, not to the exclusion of the other view, but in addition to it, since we're Americans too, then we're characterized in the press as being intolerant, bigots, censors, ayatollahs, fundamentalists, underminers of the First you Amendment, would, and they're the not. If the Christian point of view is taught in the high school, then what happens then to the separation of church and state? Well, that's a phrase that's not in the Constitution. Hi, welcome back to People Are Talking. I'm Richard Bay. Our guests today are Cal Thomas, who's the vice president in charge of communications for the moral majority, and Tony Podesta for People for the American Way. The issue is book burning, book banning. Now, Mr. Thomas, I have a statement here that is attributed to Jerry Falwell, if I can just read it. It says, I hope I live to see the day when, as in the early days of our country, we won't have any public schools. The churches will have taken them over again, and Christians will be running them. Textbooks are nothing more than Soviet propaganda. Parents should rise up in arms to throw out every textbook. Now, did the Reverend Falwell say that or not? Well, of course, Reverend Falwell will be 50 years old this August, and I do not carry around in my brain every statement that has been uh, attributed to him. I don't know. Do you have a source for that? I don't know if he said it or not. I certainly uh, don't believe that it represents his uh, current view. It certainly doesn't represent mine. Now, actually, this is from some literature that Mr. Podesta That's what out. I figured, yes. <laughs> Maybe he'd like to quote the source. Now, the, 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 sor the source of the Soviet the propaganda quote is, is from July of 1979, in which Reverend Falwell mm -hmm. said that on the steps of the United States Capitol. He said the textbooks are nothing more than Soviet propaganda. We should rise up and throw out every textbook. The, the other quote about uh, closing down the public schools comes from one of his books that he continues to sell uh, all across the country today. I'm in, um, I have a question for Mr. Podesta. I'm in high school and whatever is decided affects me. I have an example in, um, in my English class. One of the students, his parents found a book that we were reading, A Raisin in the Sun. They found something in an offensive. And all that happened was the English teacher said, well, simply bring it up from your parents, saying what you find is offensive, and you know, we'll give you another book. Nobody forced him to read that. I want to know what's the purpose in banning a book, because 
if you don't like something, then nobody's going to force you to read it, so don't read it. That's a very good point. Why do these books have to be required? I, I think that, that, that the point she made is that, is that if, if a parent or a student objects to something, finds it uh, uh, objectionable, uh, teachers and, 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 and school, uh, school boards are quite willing to make alternative arrangements, and that's the, you know, that's, the, that's the appropriate thing to do in that situation. But what happens so often is that if one parent objects or one student objects, uh, the, the principal, the teacher, the book gets, gets removed. There was one school board in Arizona last year that, that removed all required reading. Homer, Hawthorne, Hemingway, you know, every, every single major American author and, and many not American authors uh, have just simply been taken out of that school district. They're Sassy, gone. What was offensive? What did that person find offensive uh, in that book? I think it was a word or something that was in there, but I'm not really sure. Um, I don't understand. Excuse me, how old are you? 16. Do you think you should be able to read every book that's published? If I don't find it offensive to myself, then I should be able to read it. No one's going to force me to read what I don't want to read. Um, I don't understand how can you burn or ban a book to someone else that might be valuable information. I'd like to answer that question uh, uh, and use Reverend Falwell to do so. Here's a letter that he sent out to 100,000 people in 1981. Examine your public schools, libraries, and schools for immoral, anti-family, and anti-American content. The moral majority is already working with several organizations to remove these harmful education materials from classrooms. That's, you know, Jerry Falwell signed the letter. Yeah. Well, I would say that if, uh, uh, that that represents a uh, previous position before I had a chance to really demonstrate right. to well, it. Let's, let's talk about, well, let's talk about 1983. Will, this will have to remain for another show. Now, I don't want to slight your book and you go off somewhere and say, well, they won't even mention my book on, no, on television. Well, it at the beginning. <laughs> book is Book Burning. It's by Cal Thomas. Read for yourself. And you can read it for yourself. I don't know where you're going to get it. It's not going to be in the library. It's not going to be in the bookstore, according to Mr. Thomas. Right, thank you, Cal. Thank Thanks you, Richard. Enjoyed us. it. Thank you, Tony. And uh, don't forget, beginning at 11, Channel 3 is going to have live coverage of the Philadelphia 76ers Parade of Champions. This is Richard Bay for People Are Talking. When people are talking about book burning, you'll have a better opinion. Bye-bye. Well, I got the job. Although Chuck Gingold, who was the program director, kept telling me, Bay, I'm going out on a limb here. You know, Charlie Rose is begging me for this job. Um, I was replacing Maury Povich, um, who had left. Uh, and those were pretty big shoes to fill there. I mean, the, the crew loved him. He had replaced um, uh, Mike Douglas, which came out of the very same studio. All right, so so the issue these days is grooming. Have you heard that uh, term, Albert? Grooming? No. Yes, I have. I've heard uh, specifically for us manscaping. Man manscaping. I don't manscaping. know. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but grooming it means you're trying to um, indoctrinate a child. Oh, oh, oh! I right. Grooming, like no, no. That's what they're saying is happening in the schools, and and this whole thing about gender identity, the law in Florida. Uh, the governor hasn't said it, but a lot of the supporters have said that you're pro -ped pedophilia and that you're basically grooming these children for future um, gay sexual abuse. And that happens over and over again. But I, I do have to make a revelation and an admission right now that as a child, I was a victim of grooming. Yes. My mother took Odell's hair trainer. We have that. There you go. 
let me tell you, this vile concoction. She would put it on my hair, and it would it would be like barbed wire afterwards. It would get so stiff. And she put a little pompadour in the front. She said, oh, my little John F. Kennedy. <laughs> but my hair was like a helmet afterwards. And the thing is this. If you put your fingers through it and messed it up, it would turn into white flakes that look like dandruff all over your shoulders. So, yes, I had a horrifying and traumatic childhood of grooming by my own mother. Thank you so much for you know watching and listening today. And uh, hopefully we'll be back next week once again. Uh, if you have questions or comments, please leave them under the video. And um, I will read all of them. Uh, I guess that's about it, folks. So, uh, as they say in the cartoons, bibbidi, 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 that's all, folks. All my best.